In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I think that is a very good way to do a service. Allow time for the Spirit to move. Touch our hearts. We've been there. Surely the Lord is in this place. He inhabits the praises of Israel. That means he moves in the praises of his people. We do that first because we believe that the Spirit should have free reign to move in our hearts. But before that chaos could be done away with, the Bible says, and then God said, let there be light. First came the Spirit, then came the Word. It's time for God's Word to come forth, how powerful it is when God speaks through His servant. Amen. I'm so excited to bring Brother Eddie to this pulpit tonight. He's our elder. He's our example. Man, he's a nail in a sure place. And we really do appreciate his life and what we've seen God do through him. Would you give the Lord a hand as he come? Would you thank the Lord? Amen. 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 I've known this guy for a long time. And the more you back him, the better he preaches. So get behind him. Don't sit there with your hands folded. Let's help him preach. Amen. Brother Eddie. Thank you, Brother Damon. Uh, Isaiah chapter 46. If you got your Bible, Shane can put it up on the screen. Isaiah 46, begin at verse number 5. This is God talking to his people. Uh, chapter 45, chapter 40, and 46 really tell you some things about God. I don't have time to read all of it, but uh, we'll read verse number five. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith and he maketh it a God they fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder, they carry him, set him in his place, and he standeth. From his place shall he not remove, yea. One shall cry unto him, yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, Oh, you transgressors, you can be seated. Also, the scripture in, in chapter 40, verse 18, I'll read, said, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare unto him? Verse 25 in 40 says, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? God was asking the questions to his people about, why don't you start comparing me to others? <laughs> he likes to be compared to others because he knows there's no equal. Here, here's some stuff I heard a, a church that's told their pastor, so Damon, I hope they don't ever say this to you, but the deacon got up one day and told the pastor, said, we got some good news and we got some bad news. 
He said, well, let me hear the good news first. He said, well, the good news is you baptized seven people today. The bad news is you lost two of them in the swift water. He said, the good news, the women's group voted to send you a get-well card. The bad news is the vote passed 31 to 30. The good, the good news is attendance rose dramatically last week. Bad news was you was on vacation. <laughs> and finally, I, I love this one. The church has voted and agreed to send you to the Holy Land. The bad news is they're waiting for the war to break out first. <laughs> Amen. I love this time of year. It's, it's a wonderful time. I was saved in the early weeks of December, and it's, it's been a special month for me. Um, and God has brought me a long ways. He's took me places I never thought I'd ever be able to go. And I've had the best time, but, but let me tell you a key. No matter what situation you're in, Try to laugh because the Bible says laughter doeth good like a medicine. And if you can laugh, you can push back some of your heartaches, some of your burdens, and it'll make your trip a whole lot better. But um, this time of the year, people, people don't like Christmas. I do. I love lights. I love to get together with family. I love giving. Um, uh, the, the real meaning of Christmas says, For unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. We, we didn't need uh, a lot of things that God could have gave us, but there's one thing everybody needs, and that was a Savior. So that's why he gave us a Savior, because we needed it. Everybody was born in sin, shaping in iniquity. And that's why you have to be born again, because the first birth, it wasn't good. In fact, I was born 1944, Killarney, West Virginia, to a poor family. I tease a lot of people and tell them how poor we was. Around Christmas time, my dad gave me an empty box, and I said, I opened it up, and I said, there's nothing in there. He said, it's the invisible man. I said, oh, okay. I played with it for a long time, then my brother hid it. <laughs> and I make, I make light of how poor we was, but we was poor. And uh, maybe not quite that poor, but we was poor. And uh, when I was born, hardly knew, nobody knew it, just a few of the family. Boy, my second birth, man, the angels began to dance in heaven. <laughs> Never take lightly your second birth. Because it's the one that's going to last forever. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I believe Jesus in the New Testament, and according to scriptures, is the God of the old Bible. Simply, I can give you one, but there's a lot of verses I could give you to, to prove it. But the one that sticks closely is, when he was born, they said his name should be called Emmanuel, which been interpreted, God with us. So... When I talk about God, 
I'm, I'm referring to Jesus. And when he said that there is nothing that compare to me, who would you compare me to? Uh, if, if you could pick out a lot of people in the world today that's famous and try to say, well, they're, I, I'll compare God to them, you wouldn't even come close. Jesus surpasses everybody. He has no equal. He does not have a board that instructs him. He does what he pleases, when he pleases, and to whomever he pleases. And we accept it as the fact that I'm going to fall in love with this God because there's no God no greater. If he couldn't, if he couldn't give me what I need, I would hunt for another. But he's enough. He's enough to supply every need according to his riches and glory. And I've learned that through the years. There's nothing or no one whom, whom can compare to God. He's beyond compare. He has no equal. Ephesians 4 and 6 says, For there's one God and Father of all. He's above all and through all and in you all. And so I went through, a, through the Bible and picked out a few people that was really, really awesome in the Old Testament and to see how maybe they could compare to Jesus. And I found a few that I really loved. One of them was Abraham. I thought, man, here's a guy that God said, get up and get him out from among your kin folks and go into a land that I will tell you. He never told him where to go, but Abraham got up and left his kindred and took off walking. Everywhere he stopped, he built an altar and began to pray. He put his face right down in the dirt from what he was created out of and prayed, and God would give him another step in his journey and tell him which way to go. I thought, what a, what a man, 75 years old, and he wanted a son, hadn't had no kids. God promised, I'm going to give you a son. And he waited till he got 100 years old and gave him a son. Would you like to see that today, a 100-year-old have a baby? They'd lay it down somewhere and forget where he put it. <laughs> but if God gives you a baby... <laughs> and Sarah was 90 years old. But this is, this is because the God that called Abraham is greater than Abraham. And so I began to try to compare him to Abraham. In the New Testament, Jesus began to talk to the religious folks. And he told them some things about it. And they looked at him and they said, Are you greater than our father Abraham? They didn't think nobody was any greater than Abraham. So they ask him the question, are you greater than our father Abraham? <laughs> Jesus looked at him and said, Abraham looked to see my day, and he saw my day and was glad about it. And they said, how can you say that since you're not even 30-some uh, years old? And Abraham's, oh, he said, listen to me. Before Abraham was ever born, I am. Jesus was before Abraham. And that made the people mad. You want to make, you want to make a religious crowd mad? Tell them something that they, they've been uh, against all their life, that they thought that they knew, and you tell them something different. They don't like that. They get stirred up. I'll tell you right now, I'd rather a sinner be mad at me as a Christian. <laughs> but anyway, Abraham, he was greater than Abraham. And he let him know that before Abraham was, I am. And so um, I, I said, well, let me get somebody else and try to compare him to him. And, and then I said, uh, in John 14, Jesus told, told a woman at the well, 
he said, give me a drink of water. And she said, how come you're asking me a drink of water, seeing that they're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and we don't have no dealings with each other? You think in the Bible days, people hated each other. They wouldn't even walk across the Samaritan's land. They, they despised each other. And Jesus went out of his way to go to that well to meet that woman. He said, I must need to go through Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman down there that needed some water. And he was going to give her some water. And he said, give me a drink. And she said, you shouldn't be asking me a drink. And besides, you don't have nothing to, to draw water with. He said, if you ask me of a drink, I would give you water that you would never thirst again. She said, are you greater than our father Jacob? <laughs> Jesus said, if you drink Jacob's water, you're going to thirst again. You're going to come back. But the water that I give is the water that you'll never thirst. It's a, it'll be a, a well of living water springing up unto everlasting life. When she heard that, she said, give me a drink. He said, go call your husband. She said, uh-oh, uh I don't have one. He said, you rightly said you've had five, and the one you got now is not your husband. She looked at him and said, I perceive that there are a prophet. She said, I know when Messiah cometh that he's going to tell us all things. He said, he that talketh to you is him. And she left that well, left her bucket, and went away to the city and said, come see a man who told me everything I ever knew. Hallelujah. Jesus knows your heart. He knows everything about you. He knows your past. He knows your future. Thank God I'm in the hands of a God that will not fail. Jesus is greater than Abraham, and he's greater than Jacob. Jesus is greater than Moses. I mean, listen, Moses was a, there's no man hardly like Moses in all the world. He was called of God, and he tried to do God's will. But God, he was too early. God said, no, you can't do that. God had promised his children was going to be in Egypt for 430 years. And if you do it now, Moses, they'll get out early. And they ain't getting out early. And he said, uh, he, he run after he killed a guy. He spent 40 years trying to do something for God. Then he spent the next 40 years on the backside of a desert tending to his father-in-law's sheep. And then God called him out of a burning bush, and he spent the last 40 years showing what God can do for somebody that will obey him. Thank God this book is about people who obeyed God, people who said yes to God. There is no book of Esau. There is no book of Laban. There is no book of a lot of people because they refused to do what God wanted them to do. This book is about people like you and I, normal, ordinary people whom the Spirit of God would come upon and God would do great exploits through them. It's not how big your physique is. It's how much the Spirit of God will move on your life. So I, I, I compared him to Moses. Moses talked face to face to God. Jesus was the face of God. <laughs> Bible says he was the express image of the invisible God. So, so that lets you know right now he's greater than Moses was. 
Moses told the children of Israel. Moses had some, he had some power with God. God said, Moses, take the children and go on. I'm not going any farther. God said, what do you mean? He said, you can take them on in. I'm not, I'm not going. Moses said, oh, wait a minute. If you don't go, I'm not going. And God had to go with Moses because Moses refused to take him any farther without God's presence. Now, that's some power with God. Sometimes I believe we need to get in an argument with God and say, God, you called me to do something. I need your spirit because I can't do it. God will never give you a job that you can do by yourself. You've got to know it's not by power, not by will, not him that runneth, but it's God that speaks. The God, the spirit of God moves. David said, when I feel your spirit, I can leap over a wall. I know what he's talking about. I felt like it before. Sometimes I might try. I don't know. <laughs> but the Spirit of God begins to move in your life. He was greater than, than Moses. Let me get one more. Oh, yeah, before I get Moses prophesied, and it's found in Deuteronomy 18 and 15. He told the children of Israel, said, The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like unto me, him you shall hear and hearken. And that was a verse prophesying about the coming of Jesus. They didn't listen to Moses, but boy, they're, they're going to listen to Jesus. If they're going to have salvation, they're going to listen to Jesus. There was another man born. His name was Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. They come from miles around to test him in his wisdom. I mean, he proved his wisdom. Two women sleeping one night. One of them rolled over and slept on their baby and killed it. And when she got up and seen what she's done, she switched babies and told them, said, this woman has killed her baby. And the woman looked and she said, wait a minute, that's not my baby. And there was an argument. Nobody could figure out what was going on. They said, take him to Solomon. He'll know what to do. They told Solomon what happened. Solomon said, well, there ain't but one answer to this. Take the baby that's alive and kill it and divide it and give half to one, half to the other. And the woman of the real mother, she said, no, no, let her have it. Solomon said, that's the real mother right there. I'm telling you, a real mother will love their child. They'll know what their child is. They'll give anything for their child. These women that's done things they would never do before, but they do it because their child needed something. I'm telling you, the love of the woman is almost as great as the love of God. Not quite, but it, it's, it's, it goes a long ways. So Solomon, he was greater. Jesus told him. He said they came and they wanted to see the wisdom of Solomon. But he said, let me tell you something. There's a greater than Solomon here. Hallelujah. He was greater than Solomon. Jonah had the greatest revival in the history of the world. He went and preached a short message. And 120,000 people started worshiping and giving their heart to God repented. Jesus told them, a greater than Jonah's here. Hallelujah. So he's the one I'm going to build up. The temple was a sight to behold, the beauty of it, the, the riches and, and the gold and stuff that went into the temple to build it, what beauty it was. And Jesus is talking to a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees, 
And he told them, he said, I'm greater in this temple. <laughs> and they said, well, wait a minute, you crossed the line there, brother. What do you mean you're greater in this temple? He said, you destroy this temple, it's going to be destroyed. But you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it back up again. They thought he was talking about that natural temple, but he was talking about the temple that he was living in. And he said, I'm greater than the temple. But how is Jesus greater to you? It didn't help you a whole lot by knowing that he's greater than Moses and Abraham and Solomon and Jonah. But let me tell you how Jesus can be greater to you. You can be a Catholic and have never met the Pope. You can be a Buddhist and have never met Buddha. You can be a Mormon and have never met Joseph Smith. But you cannot be a Christian unless you've had a one-on-one -on -one with, with Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity. It's a personal relationship. No matter how great of a God he is, he's got to be personal with you. If he ain't personal with you, then you don't know the power that he's got. David was a man that was after God's own heart. He was nothing but a child when God called him. He didn't occupy the throne as soon as he got called. It took years for it to come to pass. But David was a, a, a shepherd boy. He tended sheep. And he knew, what, he knew what it was like to take care of sheep. He knew that they had to be fed. They had to be watered. They had to rest. And after he got them all settled down, I believe he looked over the flock of sheep and he picked up a pen and began to write, The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Hallelujah. He knew what his job was, so he knew what God would be to him. He made it personal. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes when, when you're serving the pastor's God, you don't know what God can do. He, but he wants to be greater to you than he is to the pastor. But it's got to be a personal relationship. We must believe his word. Must believe his word above, above our thoughts and our imagination. I'm telling you, we can, we can think a lot of stuff and we can, we can imagine a lot of stuff. And don't tell me that you don't because the devil wants, wants to try to get you to disobey God. He lies to you. He'll tell you people don't love you. That's why I like to tell people I love them. Because if they ever get in a state where the devil tells them that, that uh, nobody loves them, they can say, oh, I heard Eddie tell me I love him. Back there on that back seat's a guy by the name of John Cotton. I dearly love that man. He's so much like me, it's scary. <laughs> and I thank God he started coming to this church. I, I really, really like him. When he's not here, I miss him. I, re I really do. But I, I love people. I love a lot of people. But me and him has been through some things that we know, we know a whole lot about other people don't know. And, and it's just kind of bonded us together. Uh, 
but we got to believe God's word. God told his people. He said, I led thee 40 years in the wilderness. He said, I led you to humble you. Wow. How many years we got to go before God can humble us? He said, and I led thee to prove thee. He said, I suffered you to hunger. And I fed you with manna that you didn't know existed. Neither did your fathers know existed. He said, the reason I done that is because I want you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doeth man live. My favorite scripture for 30 years, I run a bread route and put bread in different stores and all over Raleigh and Fayette County. And I was a bread man. They called me Doughboy. And I love my job. Uh, and my favorite scripture was, why spend your money for that which is not bread? I quoted that all the time. Since I retired, my favorite scripture now is, Jesus told the disciples, come ye aside and let's rest a while. <laughs> That's my favorite one now. But uh, this is why God said, I, I've lived that you must know I live, man don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. God wants us to know that we want him to be our God. And we need to let him know. Uh, I've done search, Lord, and I can't find nobody that even compare or come close to treat me as good as you've treated me. And so I've signed up for life. <laughs> Amen. Uh, if, if there's any greater, if Jesus is our God, and we, we need to expect to win. You see, he, he don't lose, and he don't want you to lose. In the old Bible, when the old saints got in trouble and they, they lost the battle, they had to have a meeting with God to find out why. Because God was a God of a reputation that I don't lose. And God wants us to, God wants us to have a winning spirit. And before you can ever be a winner, you've got to have the spirit of win. You've got you to tell yourself, I'm an overcomer. I'm a winner. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have that spirit of win. You watch these ball teams. They get out there. They may be 15 points down, but the cheerleaders is out there. Bring them on. Tell them, let them know. Come on, we're going to win. We're winners. We're winners. If we could get a spirit like that in the saints of God and let them know we could have meetings like you used to have in the old days when they'd shout the, the hair down, they'd shout the shoes off. Why? Because we've got to know I'm a winner and the devil's not going to hinder me. He's not going to stop me from getting my blessing. We give up too easy. We come to the house of God with a defeated spirit when God knows we are winners. He told us we are winners. He said, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love him with all thy heart, soul, and might. Here's what God said. If you'll keep me as a God, if you'll love me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, some things are going to happen to you. You're going to be different from other people in the world. He said, number one, he said, I'll let you live in a house you didn't build. Been there and done that. Still am. 
He said, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you drink out of wells you didn't dig. Been there and done that. He said, I'll give you vineyards and olive trees you didn't plant. Kroger and Walmart's my olive trees and vineyard. I'll let them do the planting. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just riding on the blessings of God that he told me, because you, because you belong to me, here's what I'm going to do for you. Because you keep my commandments and you follow me and you worship me, here's what's going to happen to you, Eddie. <laughs> you know what? I'm a winner. I've got a winning spirit. I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. The Apostle Paul was in the worst storm of the ever been created in the history of man on a ship. And all of a sudden, the storm rose up called the Eurachodon. For 14 days and night, they didn't see the sun nor the moon and looked like everything was going to be destroyed. But the Bible said, after long absence, the Apostle Paul stepped out from the bottom of the ship and said, be of good cheer. Hey, wait a minute, Paul. Where are you been? He said, we ain't seen the sun nor the moon for 14 days and night. The wind's blowing. The ship's about to wreck, tear apart. But he said, be of good cheer. For I believe, God, that it shall be as even as God has showed me. Not one man will lose his life. Not only that, he said, they're not going to lose a hair on their head. I, that, that astounds me. I get out of the chair and wonder who's got the most hair, me or the bathtub. And here they come through water, the ocean. Some of them swam, and some of them floated in on boards. The only explanation I can have for that is they must have all been ball-headed. That's the only thing I can come up with. Or God done a great miracle. And I choose the latter first because that's the kind of God he is. No matter how bad the storm, start believing God because God's word is right. Here's what he said. He said, I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you in the city. I'll bless you in your basket. I'll bless you in the store. I'll bless you coming in. I'll bless you going out. I'll smite thine enemies. They'll come against you one way and flee seven. Ooh, what a God. Could you come up with another God that would do, do something like that for you? I don't think so. That's why we need to have our trust and work in God's word. Because he says, when he says it, he'll bring it to pass. He said, I'll make you lend instead of borrowing. He said, I'll make you the head, not the tail. I'll make you above and not beneath. This is what we need to preach to ourselves. Scripture. Damon will bring you a message, but you need to preach to yourself. When the enemy come against David, everybody turned against him, wanted to kill him. The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes, Damon's not going to be there to encourage you with the scripture. And so you need, to get, you, need to, you need to get you some scriptures, and you need to preach them to you. You need to preach them to you every day because they bring life. And if you're not reading scriptures, you're not preaching them to you, here's, here's a good one. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident 
of this very thing that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The devil hates that verse because God started it and we think we got to finish it. Y'all heard me tell this over and over and I still believe it. I'm going to heaven if Jesus has to drag me every step of the way. And he will if he has to. But he, you know what he does? He says, Eddie, just believe my word. He which begun. I didn't start this. I didn't want to serve God. I run from God. I had no idea that I was going to even serve God. And, and here I am a preacher. I didn't have nobody in the family that was preachers on mom's side, dad's side. I didn't know anything about preachers. I didn't even like preachers. <laughs> I heard so much bad stuff about them. <laughs> and, and then God called me to preach, I guess, because I didn't like them so good. I didn't know what to do. So I'd, I'd try to get up and quote a scripture, and it would come out wrong. And I, I couldn't do nothing. I'd sit down. I always had my legs right at the back of the bench. That was my comfort zone. As long as my legs could feel that bench, I knew when I ran out of something to say, I could flop down and say, y'all pray for me. So I got to praying one day. I got to studying the scriptures. And man, I, 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 wanted, I wanted the blessings of God, and I wanted them bad. I went up on a strip road, and I said, I'm going to practice preaching. I got me a tree. I looked at that tree. There wasn't nobody around for miles, I didn't think, so I started looking to make sure nobody was around. And I quoted a scripture to that tree. <laughs> it never amened me one time. Once in a while, it would wave a limb at me. That's more than a lot of Christians do. So, <laughs> so but I started, and, and I thought I had to go, <laughs> because I heard all them preachers on the radio. Man, that didn't work out too good at all. And, and so God spoke to me one time. He said, Eddie, you really want me to bless you? I said, oh, God, do I ever want you to bless me? He said, get away from that bench. Open your mouth wide, and I'll fill it. I hadn't been saved a whole lot, so I substituted the cigarettes that I was smoking for certs. And I kept a pack of certs in my pocket all the time. I was training the guy to take my place on a tractor-trailer job, and he said, you... You sure eat a lot of certs, don't you? I said, well, yeah, I guess. I said, uh, but I said, I guess it's okay. They don't make you gain weight, do they? He said, well, if you eat a pound of them, you probably gain a pound. <laughs> <laughs> and so I stepped out one night away from the bench. And when I got the back of my legs away from the bench, the Spirit of God hit me in the top of my head and came out the bottom of my foot. I jumped straight up in the air. And them search went up in the air, and they hit the floor when I come down. And I started quoting a scripture, and another one came, and another one came. And I started running. I went, finally, I ended up at the back, back of the church, up against the wall, and I was just melting like butter. I was, so, I was so full of the power and the Holy Ghost of God that I couldn't even hardly stand up. Boy, it's been good ever since. Hey, do, you, do you make a home run every time you get up? No, I sure don't. I probably strike out more than I make a home run. But let me tell you what, I made a home run one time. And if you ever make a home run, you're going to get up and say, it just might be this time again. I love God. I love how God 
God has taken over my life. God gave me five children. Four of them is in church serving God today. And God's going to bring the other one in. God's really been good to me. I'll tell you, he's been greater to me than anybody. Let me give you another one. Isaiah 54, 17. There is no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. You need to know that. I don't care who's forming a weapon against you. I don't care if it's on your job. I don't care if it's in the store. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your brother, your sister, your mommy, your daddy. If they're forming a weapon against you, God said it will not prosper. I'll bring it to naught. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Psalms 18 and 2. The Lord is my rock. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. This is, this is what we possess. God will be everything like that to you. And he wants you to know that. Psalms 27, I, I'm going to hurry. 1243, oh Lord, i got to hurry. Uh, I'll preach real fast now. Y'all listen real fast, and then Damon will dismiss you. <laughs> Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord. For our God, for the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Job 13 to 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Romans chapter 8, Damon's been preaching on it. Let me read you a few verses. Uh, begin at verse number 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you know God's for you? Then it don't matter who's against you. It don't matter if a government's against you. If God be for you, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I'm going to stop right here just a minute, but I'm going to pick right back up. We preach about the prodigal son, but I'm going to tell you the message is not about the prodigal son. It's about the elder brother. And if you can grasp that, you'll find a lesson that you never thought you ever seen before. The prodigal son wanted everything, all of his inheritance. He went out and spent it on a righteous living. He had a lot of friends. He spent all his money. And then he began to get hungry. And he took a job that a Jew would never take, which is feeding hogs because they detested hogs. But he would have eat of the hog slop. But the Bible said he came to himself and he said, In my father's house... The servants have more than enough, and I'm perishing with hunger. He had the greatest meeting he ever had. His belly met his backbone, and when that happened, he changed his mind. Bible, Bible says he took off running. I believe he dropped the pail, jumped the rail, and hit the trail and headed home. But his father seen him coming, and, and, and he didn't have to explain nothing. His father said, you was dead, but now you're alive. Kill the fatted calf. 
put on a robe and ring. Here come the elder brothers out working in the field. Now listen real close because this is most of the saints. The elder asked a servant, what is going on? He said, they're having a party. He said, why? He said, your brother has come home. And said, your father has killed a fatted calf and is having a party for him. He went, hmm. He said, ain't you going in? Nope, nope, I ain't going in. I'll stay out here. The servant went in and told his father, hey, you need to go outside. Your older son, he ain't doing too good. He went out there and said, hey, hey, son, what's going on? He said, let me tell you something. I work for you day in and day out. You ain't never throwed me a party. You ain't never killed a fatted calf for me. And here your son that swarped around with righteous living, drinking, whoring around. This is Tucker ter terminology. And here you, you kill a fatted calf. Listen to the words of the father. He said, son, son, all I have is yours. That slapped me in the face so hard. I've never asked him for a party. I've never asked him to give me a fatigue. He would. But I didn't ask him. The Bible said, you have not because you ask not. And when we do ask God for something, we ask it as a miss and, and God don't give it. But God is wanting us to know, you're faithful. You're my child. Everything I got is yours. You can kill you a calf every day of the week if you want it. Sometimes we need to get a hold of God and a prayer meeting and say, God, you said whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Pray, believe, and you shall receive them. He wants to bless us in a mighty way. Hallelujah. The best testimony you'll ever have is God kept you out of drugs and alcohol. But, but let me tell you what Jesus told Peter. And I'll, I'll, I'll quit with this. He said... Let's go in the house and get something to eat. And there was a woman who followed him in, a sinner woman. And she had an a alabaster box of ointment that was very precious. But this woman had a lot of sins. And she knew that Jesus was in the house, and so she followed him in. And she let her hair down. And she tried to open the box of ointment, but it wouldn't open so she broke the box, dumped the oil on Jesus' feet and began to, to wash his feet with her tears and dry with her hair. And you know what? Peter didn't say nothing. He just thought if he knew who this was, he wouldn't let her do that to him. Jesus said, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He said, uh, well, say on, master. He said, this man had two debtors, and one of them owed him $50, and 
and the other owed him $500 and said, he frankly just forgive them both. He said, tell me something, Simon. Who do you think would love that man the most? And Simon said, well, <laughs> he that was forgiven, 500, I'm sure would love him the most. Jesus said, you have rightly said that. He said, let me tell you something, Simon. When I come into your house, you didn't give me no water to wash my feet. You didn't dry my feet with the hairs of your head. You didn't do this for me. You didn't offer me this. You didn't offer me that. This woman, although her sins are many, she loveth much. Therefore, she was forgiven much because she loveth much. I don't know about some of these people that got, got saved in Sunday school. I never see them hardly worship God, raise their hand, praise God, or dance in the Spirit. But you take these druggies that's been in the depths of sin. You take these people that knows what God saved them from. I'm telling you, don't, don't make fun of me because I knew where God brought me from. I was no good. I was a lost man. I was an alcoholic. I was on my way to hell. Hallelujah. Don't, don't look at me with your nose up in the air. Hallelujah. Uh, I, you know what? I see some people like that with their nose up in the air. I say, hey, you think you're stuck up. You ought to see that telephone pole out there. We know what we went through with. We know what God just saved us from. And I praise God every day. God told Israel, said, you're going to drive out your enemy little by little. Don't expect all your enemies to be gone in one day, one week, one month, one year. He said, little by little, you're going to drive them out. You are going to fight battles if you're trying to live for God. He said, the land that you go in to possess... It's going to be a land filled with Canaanites, Moabites, Amorites, Hittites, Parasites, Jebusites, Hivites, and probably termites and mosquito bites. But he said, you're going to do it. You're going to drive them out because I'm on your side. He said, I control the hornets. If they get too bad, I'll send the hornets their way and drive them out. I'm telling you, I run from a hornet. Them are mean. I mean, they're really mean. But God controls them. If God wants to use them to fight your enemy. He speaks the language of hornets. He speaks the language of frogs. <laughs> Hallelujah. God knows every language. He knows every tongue. Hallelujah. So listen. Let, let the devil know you know who God is. That you know that there's nobody that can compare to him. God said, if there's another God, I don't know him. Amen. Go home and read some scriptures in Psalm 46. I'm going to get Damon to come. Damon, give an altar call before I sit down. I'm, I'm not too good at this. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, would you? We sent, our, we sent our kids to Christian school their whole school career and they went to uh, ACE school and they had uh, their convention here regionally and when they had the convention there would be events that they competed in that they really wouldn't have some, some didn't have any kids that would compete in that certain event but Shane Hensley tells a story about chastity entered into a race 
And when they got there, nobody else had entered into the race. And she said, well, I win. They said, no, you got to run anyway. So she ran the race, and he said, he watched her. She ran around the track, and she finished, and he said, she came in first. He said, but technically, she came in last, too. And that's the only way God can be first and the last is because there's nobody else in the race with him. He truly is all by himself. Beside him, there is no other. The only way he can be Alpha and Omega is if there's nobody else in the race. Man, we serve that God. We serve the God that beside him, there is no other. So if you'd stand to your feet as we sing, if you need prayer, we're here to pray for you. If you need to pray, there's an altar here to pray at. The altar is not a place of shame. It's a place of power. It's a place of relationship and renewal. So as we sing this song, if you need anything at all, if you just need to stand where you're at and worship, you do that right now as we sing. Go ahead, Aaron. I lay my burdens down. My yoke is easy now. What a friend I've found in you. I lay my burdens down. My yoke is easy. What a friend I've found in you, oh, yeah. Cause you're the well that won't run dry. Only you can satisfy through every season. 